I mean, it's important that people understand they can be bailed in, but you don't want a huge run on the institution. But they have, I mean, they're going to be. I, I can't believe for a moment that the Fed is going to walk willingly, you know, into the noose and say, okay, I'll just, you know, allow myself to be destroyed. And that's why I've been saying, I've been adamant that the Fed's best defense against these people is to raise interest rates. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here. Thanks so much for tuning in. That was Tom Luongo. And in this one, we talk about the unintended consequences of the public learning the truth about bail-ins. That warning comes directly from the FDIC. And we also talk about Jerome Powell and the battle to destroy the Davos elite. Thanks for tuning in, friends. Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. Gold prices could surge to $4,000 an ounce in 2023, and Noble Gold Investments has the details. As recession fears persist, Jorg Keener, Chief Investment Officer of Swiss Asia Capital, said that many economies could face a bit of a recession in the first quarter, which would lead to many central banks slowing their pace of interest rate hikes, making gold instantly more attractive. If 2022 taught us anything at all, it's that tangible assets are the only assets you can count on like gold. Now, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results, so do your own due diligence. Thousands of people have started to make a move towards securing their retirement. Join them by opening a gold IRA or silver IRA with Noble Gold Investments. If you get in before the end of this month, you'll get an incredible free quarter ounce American Gold Eagle coin with every qualified IRA of $50,000. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey friends, welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Sean from SGT Report here. You can see the website of my guest, Tom Luongo, Gold, Goats, and Guns. Friends, American spending dropped again in December. A dollar collapse is now in motion as Saudi Arabia signals the end of petro status. Friends, I have perhaps the two most important minutes that you might hear this year about the bail-ins that are coming according to the FDIC officials themselves. We're going to play that clip in its entirety in one second. Let me welcome our guest, Tom Luongo, is back. How are you, Tom? I'm good. How are you? Doing okay. I have to say I'm doing pretty well. But one wonders if and when this collapse is really coming. You tweeted about it. It's a race to collapse. U.S.-German 10-year spread just broke 1.3% to the downside. The European slide is beginning. If the Fed goes 50 basis points, there will be another jolt. Before I play that clip from the FDIC's meeting in early November 2022, it's the type of clip that should make people's hair stand on end if they understand what's being said. Let's just break down your tweet here. It's a race to collapse. What does that mean at this point? Well, it's it's ultimately what, what Daniel was talking about was that you know earnings growth in Europe is terrible and it's it's better in the U.S. but nothing spectacular. And I agree with him on that. Um, and the the big one is you know look the Fed's raising interest rates right. Uh, the yield curve is inverted. Everybody's screaming that that means we recession is here or the dollar is collapsing or all this stuff. And I I happen to think that all that's a that's not wrong. I just happen to think it's mistimed. And so I think it's the, the race is on here as to whether or not we're going to um, collapse before Europe does. And if Europe does collapse before we do, which I, I am laying heavy odds on, then it means that the money that's in Europe is going to come flooding into here and is going to stave off our collapse. So this is cl clearly the game that everybody's been playing at least for the last seven, to eight months. All right. So going back to when Lagarde introduced the uh, the transmission protection instrument back in, at the July meeting, and everybody was convinced then that the Fed was had had pivoted. Then that Powell came out at um, uh, Jackson Hole with his eight minute mic drop and said, "Oh, by the way, we're going higher," and the market still refuses to believe him. Now, again, you know that's giving fuel to a lot of people thinking that the the Fed is incompetent and evil and all the all and everybody's you know, uh, arguments about this, not saying that they're wrong, that the Fed is, has been in the past incompetent and or is an evil institution, not arguing that point at all, just saying that at this moment in time, they may be the least incompetent because they're the ones with the most power. And when they actually do want to use that power, we really should respect it. But the bond markets are, at the, as of right now, are believing that the most incompetent central banker on the planet, Christine Lagarde, is less incompetent than Jerome Powell. And that I would that is a misprice in the markets right now. That is a massive misprice. And then we'll, we'll see what happens. So I don't know if the Fed's going to go 50 on Wednesday. I hope they do. I think they need to. 
if if for nothing else, to, to seal the deal on the amount of what what little credibility they've clawed back for themselves. For them to only go 25 now would be an admission that the market's been right. So they should continue to tell the market that the market is wrong and that everybody needs to start mispricing debt differently and that the Fed put truly is dead. And if that's the case, that would be a that would be a rate shock, to be honest with you. And it would change it would change a lot of people's perspective. And it would set up a very interesting 2023. Hmm. All right. Well, I would note today, Zero Hedge is reporting uh, University Michigan inflation expectations are plunging. Do you think the sure. Fed should raise by 50 or 75 basis points because you're concerned about inflation or it's more of a debt issue? It's I am actually concerned that inflation isn't gone. I don't think they need to go 75 here. I think I, I've, I'm on record, Sean. It's very simple. I'm on record saying, look, they're going to go 450s and then 425 and then with a terminal rate at around 7%. That's my projection for the year. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If they only get the six and a half, fine. Sue me that I, I was one of the few guys saying that they would be at four and a half by the end of the year back in, back in early 2022. So you know, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't care if I'm only right seven out of eight, right out of every eight Fed meetings. I, yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty a good track. Average. Yeah, it's not not a bad track record, right? right? So, and I have no special relationship with the Fed. I don't have any patrons who are you know Fed whisperers or anything along those lines. I'm just a guy doing his thing. So I. So when I think about this, I say, look, from every perspective, when you look at the Fed's position geopolitically within the realm of the, the cartel of central banks with the rate of de-dollarization that's happening, brought up the Saudis, I, I think that there's a lot of people who are really anxious and really want to proclaim the death of the dollar way too early. I think this is a you know Stanley Livingstone moment, like you know, like Doctor Livingstone. No, like the bed's not, the dollar's not dead yet. Is the dollar going to die eventually? Probably. Is it going to happen in the next eighteen months? Absolutely not. And anybody who believes still believes that after the last couple of years, and remember, I'm gold, goats, and guns, guys. Like I'm as, I'm as, I'm as hard currency based guy as you can get when it comes to this stuff. But I'm just looking at the landscape. And the fact of the matter is, is that there's still a biblical short position against the dollar out there in the form of dollar denominated um, uh, uh, foreign debt. Um, Jeff Snyder's out there telling everybody what the euro dollar market actually is. I happen to disagree with him about what the, what that is, but that's a different discussion for a different day. But even he's telling you, like, look, yeah, there's dollars out there. Like, and they're not even real dollars. They're just all this credit floating around. I'm like, yeah, guess what? And who has the control over the, the price of that credit. There's only one person on the planet who has control over the price of that credit. And that's Jerome Powell. Yeah. All right. Let's do a screen share here. I want to ask you about uh, CBDCs, Bitcoin up 40% since Kramer said sell. But first, this may be the most important two minutes of video we can share with our audience because you and I, others in the space have been talking about a collapse Right. right. Another 2008 financial collapse. Sure. It's, it's in the cards right now. They're openly talking about it. So let's sure. listen to this. I'll pause this at any point you'd like to. But the gentleman you see on screen right here just finished talking about a need to know basis. There's a need to know basis. Professionals will need to know if and when bail-ins are coming. They're very, very concerned about letting the general public know that. But the genie's out of the bottle. It's all right here, guys. Here's what they have to say about the coming bail-ins and collapse. I completely agree with that. I almost think you'd scare the public if you put this out. Like, why are they telling me this? Should I be concerned about my bank? Like, my insurance company doesn't tell me what they're doing with my assets. So they just assume they're going to pay my claim. Right? It's, it's, I, I think you've got to think of the unintended consequences of taking a public that has more full faith and confidence in the banking system than maybe people in this room do, <laughs> that we want them to have full faith and confidence in the banking system. They know the FDIC insurance is there. They know it works. They put their money in. They're going to get their money out. So there, there's a select crowd of people that are in the institutional side. And if they want to understand this, they're going to find a way to understand this. There's a bunch of law firms represented in this room. There's a bunch of people that will charge them by the hour a lot of money to explain this all to them. And, and, and it's fine. I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with that. And they all have huge staffs. But I would be careful about the unintended consequences of starting to blast too much of this out in the general public. All right. I'm going to pause it there. This comes to us from our friends over at SD Bullion. So one more mm -hmm. minute of this clip left, right? It's important that people understand that they can be bailed in. I mean, you don't want a huge run on the institution, but they're mm -hmm. going to be. That's what you're about to hear. 
I wondered whether there are some market tests of whether you're being heard. And I think about TLAC. So TLAC should spread, should respond to good and bad news about the institutions. And it's really important. I mean, it's a little bit conflicted, right? I mean, it's important that people understand they can be bailed in, but you don't want a huge run on the institution. But they have, I mean, they're going to be. That's and and it could be an early warning signal to the FDIC and the primary regulators when these things happen. And there may be some other prices, this is uh, similar to what Jay was saying, in the market that you can tell whether people understand how the who's going to be protected, who isn't going to be protected. All right, I'll pause it there. Guys, are you starting to see the big picture here? The banks will be protected. You will be bailed in. Some people will be protected. Others won't. But the quote mm -hmm. of the day is, it's important that people understand that they can be bailed in. I mean, you don't want a huge run on the institution, but they're going to be. Why are they talking like this, Tom? I mean, is this thing imminent? No, I don't think it is. Um, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, I look at the situation, the, the Fed, and uh, the Fed has adequate, I more than adequate, amounts of reserves in the banking system. They have two and a half trillion dollars in the piggy bank called the reverse repo facility. They got five trillion dollars with the worth of 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 uh treasuries on their balance sheet that they can get rid of. They don't have that problem. You know who has that problem? Europe has that problem. The real bail-ins are going to come to Europe first. Now when Europe starts to bail in everybody over there, that'll cause bank runs here. Well, Poston, maybe. It all depends, man. Why 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 do we why do we believe that? Well, they just said always it. happened in the you past. Know what I think the biggest danger to one's own self-preservation is complacency. Well, I mean, when I hear these yeah, men not, talk not, like not, that I'm and they're worried about not, this I'm getting out to the general public, it makes me want to go get my damn money out of the bank. Well, that's fine. What I'm saying is what will happen here is that, yeah, they're going to get they're going to get they're going to get bailed in in Europe. And then you're going to hear a whole lot of noise out of the, the U.S. regulators that everything's fine over here as long as we don't have money market rates over here explode. Remember, I've, already, I've made this argument many, many times, and the data is very clear. The United States Bank, excuse me, the American banks do not take European debt as repo collateral. There is almost, there has been an almost complete decoupling of the European banking system from the American banking system. So that, and with the end of LIBOR coming in June, and no debt in the United States after June 30th, after the end of Q2, will be indexed to LIBOR. It all has to be indexed to the to SOFR, the secured overnight financing rate here in the U.S. And oh, by the way, the bank, the the the, the Bank of Canada came out this, this morning and said they're going to be moving to away from USD LIBOR and to SOFR by the end of Q3, I think. So, which again supports everything I've been saying that the Canadian banks put the kibosh on Justin Trudeau trying to just take everybody's bank accounts. Like the Canadian banks are trying to fight back against this stuff. There's a lot happening here and it's not a monolith. And I, I just, I'm not against the idea of protecting yourself against all of this stuff happening, but I'm not going to engage in histrionics about it all of a sudden happening today or tomorrow or anything else. These guys are all sitting here talking about stuff that's going to happen in the future. The banking rules have already been, have been laid in. They've already been talked. They've already, these the banking rules have been laid in. We know that we can be bailed in. Well, that's just, always been, that's in fact always been the case. You are an unsecured creditor of your bank. That has, that's, that's your, that's banking law in the United States going back to, 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 you know, to the, to English common law. Well, right. Can you explain settled it to people? Law three, four hundred years in, in this is settled law. When it happened to the people of was was it Cyprus? When it happened to the people of Greece, they got a forty percent overnight haircut. I think it might have been more than forty percent. Right. And people think, well, that can't happen here. Well, our own FDIC, and by the way, the Spain name of that, that committee, guys, possible. listen to the name of that committee: Systemic Resolution Advisory Committee. Systemic. Sure. These banks are systemically broke there's a systemic problem here and now they're saying it and they're saying they are really concerned that the public oh, find out what happens when the public finds out well it could be a run on the institutions of they course. don't want that well, of course not banking is always a confidence game fractional reserve banking system is always a confidence game this is nothing new i mean that's serious like this is nothing new right. this is 
the history of fractional reserve banking by definition. This 18 claim was somewhere between nine and 18 or 20 or 100 claims for every dollar that's out there. Yeah, I think they have physical dollar that's of out all there. the money necessary to shore up or securitize to insure all deposits, 2%. So the run on the bank would come. And see, that's the funny part. It's one thing for there to be a run on the bank. It's a whole nother thing for there to be bail-ins where they just do a banking holiday. And by the way, later on in that committee meeting, one of the women says, preferably this would happen on a Friday. She repeats that several well, times. A Friday, a Friday night. That's when the announcement would go out because then it's too late. There's a banking holiday over the weekend. Things open up on Monday. Your money's gone. Of course, this is this is the way this is going. Now, has has anybody looked at like it's the savings balances in the U.S.? If you look at the savings rate recently, well, like, you know what? Really? There was just an article uh, about the haves and the have-nots. Discover Card—they've got impending doom on their balance sheets because right. the middle class is broke. Meanwhile, Amex, American Express, yeah, I saw that. I saw that because the people no, with money, well, they're spending. They've got the money. See, what's really concerning here is that. The average American right now not only does not have $500 in savings for an emergency, they're living off their credit cards, and now the interest rates are usurious. So they're really trying to bring people to their knees. So that kind of brings me back to the fact. Are they trying to bring? Are they? Are they trying to do that? Or are, or they, are they trying, trying to, to save? Like, the remember, yeah. remember, Sean. It's not as simple as everybody wants to make it out to be. Again, I am not trying to make excuses for anybody here. No, but I'm only. I'm, but I'm only going to sit here and going to tell you that. Everybody who's involved in this mess, and it's a mess, okay? Everybody who's involved in this mess is going to act in their best interest, right? Correct? So the question is, who is and who isn't against each other? And if you believe that all the central banks are in it together against us, you're wrong. Yeah, we talked and about I that last time. I want everybody to understand that that's very clear. It's very clear that there are certain people who want to destroy the system, Davos bail everybody in, make us eat bugs and live in a freaking pod. And other people who are like, no, we don't have to do that. There are mechanisms and ways for which the United States can be recapitalized. And I, I, I want this is very clear. It's very, it's very, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying that it's not, we're not going to get our hair must. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But what I am saying is that. With the fundamental difference when you are the central bank of the world's reserve currency and everybody else and the central bank of everybody else. And they're all Ponzi schemes. And yes, the Fed's a Ponzi scheme. And yes, our banking system's a Ponzi scheme. But the smaller, as we just saw in the crypto markets, the smaller Ponzi schemes get eaten first. Then the larger, then the larger, larger Ponzi schemes go down. Right. So FTX ate all the smaller Ponzi schemes. And then it was the last one to go down. And then ask yourself the question of who took down FTX. And then start really start thinking about, well, why is the Fed raising rates so, so, so aggressively? If they really just wanted to kill us all, they really just wanted to, to, to create a financial crisis. They would just keep printing money mm -hmm. like left and right. They would leave zero. They would have left everything at the zero bound and they would have printed dollars until there was until their their what 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 credibility they had would be destroyed. Everybody would be everybody would be high on the sugar rush for as long as possible, and then the whole thing would and then overnight the whole thing would collapse. But isn't but that the not generational that. story of central banking? I mean, the Rothschilds they expand the credit system, they contract the credit system, they cause depressions to happen through the contraction of credit, through the contraction of dollars, and that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing dollars be choked off. Yeah, but we're not. But, go ahead. No, we're seeing credit dollars. Right. We're seeing credit dollars choked off and we're seeing commodity inflation. I've been saying this for forever and a day, but it didn't. And, and it's going to and it's going to be a bad crisis when it finally comes down the pipe. But it's not going to be. But in this case, the difference is this time, the people who are in charge of the Federal Reserve this time are not globalists trying to destroy the United States. See, that's interesting. And that's why I wanted to get you back on. You've made that point in our past interviews. You made the point that people like Jamie Dimon, not going along with the plans of the Davos elite and the World Economic Forum out of a sense of right. self-preservation. I right. really like that idea because I don't consider Jamie, I consider him a black hat, not a white hat. But No, he's not a white hat. I'm, I'm in great this context, that, his self-preservation is the same as my interests. Right. And that, and, and temporarily, they, they may align. And yeah. if I'm right about this, then what we're, that what we're seeing, the thing about it is, is that, and again, I may be wrong about all this. I'm happy to 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 get pushback on it and everything else. Sure, just, but Sun Tzu, the, the enemy only way my the only way to learn anything is if we push back on each other, right? Mm -hmm. So if it was all just a big echo chamber, it would look like you know, it would look like the World Economic Forum. So 
Um, I, I, you know, I note that Jamie Dimon goes to Davos this year. George Soros doesn't. He's going to the Munich Security Conference to declare World War III. Whereas Jamie Dimon goes to Davos and says, look, oil is going to be with us for the next 50 years and the Fed's going beyond 5%, 5% and you better get used to it. He was quite blunt about this. Okay. Now, if that's not like the most anti-Davos right. two statements you could ask for coming out of the most powerful banker in the United States. Right. I know. Did you happen to see uh, angry Al Gore foaming at the mouth? Did you see that mm-hmm. clip? Have you ever seen a man so angry? He's supposed yeah. to be speaking to the people who support what he's saying, and he right. sounds that angry. These people are losing control of the narrative. Yes, they have. I wrote a big article about it the other day. when I, I, I watched Davos this 2023 this year, and I was like, well, there's two things I know. One, Davos 2022 was last July, and then all of a sudden they had to push Davos 2023 up to three weeks before the Munich Security Conference. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. It wasn't in July again this year or May or whenever. It was very early this year. Why is that? Hmm. I wonder. Um, Klaus Schwab was sidelined at his own event. Now they're talking about Tony Blair taking over. Uh, that's 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 perfect as far as I'm concerned. That guy's even more incompetent than Schwab is. Yeah, I put him right up there with Trudeau. Right. He's just he's just a, he's a lieutenant. He's they're very a wimpy, asexual, probably homosexual puppets. Mm. I mean, really, honestly. Oh, by the way, Tony, by yeah, the way, I, I mean, Trudeau, I'm never going to I'm never going to contradict somebody who's in, insulting Tony Blair. Let's well, listen, Trudeau <laughs> is dealing with uh, the consequences of having diddled. We're uh, told a 12 year old girl when he was a teacher. This essentially coming from the father. And I think a multimillion dollar settlement hush money was paid to shut everybody up. But Trudeau, see, they're all pedophiles. Of course. I'll say it. Well, I mean, but at the end, but at the end of the day, Sean, let let's stay, let's stick, let's stick to where we started this morning. Let's not. I don't want to go off on the tangent about how evil these people are. Stanley Kubrick's been more, was been warning about warning us about this for forty five years. The what's important here is to identify everybody's um, personal interests, their vested interests, right? Because to me, again, I've, I've I've said this before. I'll continue to say it until somebody can. Say, tell me otherwise, why the New York banking crew would go along with their own destruction and walk willingly into the guillotine or the gas chamber, or whatever metaphor you want to use, of, cent- of retail central bank digital currencies and, you know, 100% um, surveillance and, you know, the, the, the whole spooky Orwellian technocracy, but it's really more like Brazil than, than Orwell. You know, Orwell looks at the, you know, Orwell's looking at these people going, wow, I'm a piker. But, you know, are you referring to the uh, film Brazil or the yeah, uh, actual of course, the film, the movie Brazil, Brazil. It looks more yeah. like that yeah. than it does anything else. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Terry Gilliam's Tom Stoppard's Brazil is far more, far more um, accurate uh, a future for us than Orwell's 1984. Yeah, equally dystopic. And oh, more so because it's a bureaucracy. It's a bureaucracy of paperwork. very important papers flying everywhere go watch brazil again you can't help but see papers flying everywhere the big the big dream sequence when he's like liberating the ministry of information it's they're 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 getting drowned in paper like it's it's i mean you can't you can't miss the symbolism if you're looking for it um but the um but i i when you when you think of it that way I, i can't believe for a moment that the fed is going to walk willingly you know into the noose and say okay i'll just you know, allow myself to be destroyed. And that's why I've been saying, I've been adamant that the Fed's best defense against these people is to raise interest rates and raise interest rates hard. And if it's going to, and it may or may, and it's, it's going to cause a recession here in the United States eventually, but it hasn't yet. I want everybody to stop and think for a second. Q4 GDP just printed at 2.6%. Q3 was up, upwardly revised to 3.2. Now, I'm not a big fan of GDP. I think it's a shitty statistic, but, you know, it is also the thing that we measure recessions with is is inflation still running hotter than that yes it is on a year-over-year basis of course it is and we're going to get more we're going to get another round of inflation now that china's opened back up again and, and commodity prices are going to rise through to increased demand and the fact that the the west is pushing for war with russia which means that everybody's going to start trying to hoard copper aluminum oil gas food this all of it lead aluminum all of it right 
So we can already see it. And from the beginning of the year, we've already seen a big move in all of the uh, industrial metals and, and gold. Clearly, Bitcoin's, you know, rallied a little bit as well, which is nice. So everybody's trying to move into tangible assets. We've even seen the Dow hold up nicely, but the S&P 500 is in trouble. The Nasdaq is, wants to wants to collapse. Um, so understand that, you know, as Martin Armstrong has been banging his shoe on the table about, and rightly so, in times of uncertainty like this, people are going to move to tangible assets. Okay. Now, the big thing for the banks, especially the New York banks, is they don't care who they lend to. Okay. Now, in the past, as they were they were taking our productive capacity and they were consuming it through this predatory lending system that they've had in place for, well, frankly, centuries. They've run out of runway. There is so much debt now that they can't continue this. They can't lever this up one more time. The only way they can get out of this is to default completely and unmoor money completely from any uh, um, any uh, metric based on human labor and the and the input that we put into the, the system, right? That's the last, you know, the last vestige of that would be a to move to a retail central bank digital currency where they just issue script and tax us on it. Now, the banks. I look at J.P. Morgan. I listen to Jamie Dimon carefully because he usually tells you exactly what he's going to do next. Again, not a big fan of Dimon. Don't think he's a white hat. Don't think he's a black hat. More of a gray hat at this point. Probably turn back into a black hat at some point in the future. And I say, Diamond sees the situation, doesn't want World War III. Like, yeah, he can lend to Lockheed Martin, but he's actually, they're for the most part cut out of that business. The, the, the government's just hand, handing checks directly to, the, to Raytheon General Dynamics and, and, uh, and, and Lockheed Martin. And then Diamond and the banking system through the Fed have to deal with all the deficit spending. And it's actually their liability they have to deal with now. Okay. Think about this for a second, right? Because all that debt is issued and then it all winds up having to go to the primary dealers to then turn right around and sell it to the Fed and the Fed has to monetize it, right? That's the, up until a year ago, that's what we were doing. How are we going to do this in the future? Well, the banks aren't going to be cut into those, um, into the, into that system. They're going to continue to try and spend and force the Fed and blackmail it into having to go back to the zero bound to put all this new debt on the balance sheet, which the Fed doesn't want to do. Clearly, the, Powell's made this abundantly clear this is not what he wants to do. So now let's listen to what Diamond and what Powell and whatever and what a lot of people have been saying. What they have been saying is it's time to reinvest in the United States. So if the dollar's tenure as the global reserve currency is ending, right, and all these offshore dollars are going to need a home at some point. And the euro dollar system is going to, in my mind, is going to collapse, or at least it's going to contract significantly. It means that a lot of those dollars are going to come home and the Fed has to sop up that liquidity. At the same time, as that occurs over the course of a five, six, seven year period, then the banks here in the United States can then lend preferentially at a proper rate of return with proper risk assessment with real positive interest rates. Oh my God, let's I know we haven't done this. We haven't had real positive interest rates in the United States in God knows how long. We're not used to it. We've been living in this negative interest rate world for the last 15 years since Lehman Brothers. But imagine if that were the case and the banks were actually doing their freaking job like they're supposed to, which is invest in new bridges and roads and you know factories and plants and productive capacity and all the rest of it. Again, the banks don't care who they lend to. They can lend to the weapons makers or they can lend to the guy building a new aluminum smelter. It doesn't really matter one way or the other them they just want their net interest margin which they haven't been able to get for 15 years hmm. remember all of the big banks are now part of the casino they only make money on investment deals investment banking book running and all that stuff they don't make any money on traditional lending and you think they don't want to go back to they don't they don't want that back i think they do mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense and it makes perfect sense with what i'm hearing out of powell and it's, it makes perfect sense with what i'm hearing out of people who know powell which is that that's what Powell wants. Now, the question is, is anybody on Capitol Hill going to let him do that? Since all the people who are running things on Capitol Hill work for the WEF, Davos, the Klaus Schwab crew who want to destroy humanity. So this is the fight. And I think it's, it's, it's you know, and the regulators, these lower level regulators who are worried about, you know, uh, something going going sideways and them having to bail in depositors and all the rest of it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're right to be talking about this because maybe they don't even understand this. Remember, a lot of these guys, you think they're actually privy to some of this information? I don't think they all are. I really don't.
because the way the markets are reacting, Sean, I don't, I don't see that they are. I see a lot of denial out there. I see a lot of people just refusing to believe that the Fed's capable of taking the interest rates to 7% or 6%. They were incapable of believing the Fed would go to 2% last year and we're at four and a half and possibly going to five at a minimum going to 4.75. So like 90% of the people out there are commenting on this stuff are wrong because I think this scenario is different than what every scenario we've seen in the past because of the existential threat to the underlying institutions themselves. Okay. Well, let's segue, since you brought up Bitcoin, let's segue to cryptocurrency, CBDCs, and Bitcoin specifically. I'll do a screen share here. Central Mm -hmm. Bank of England CEO aims to list additional tokens as institutions seek reliable crypto counterparties. It's a vote of confidence for crypto when the space needs it most. Tom, I have posited uh, with guests here in the uh, recent past over the last year that uh, Bitcoin is not going to zero. My thesis at this mm-hmm. point is it's either going to zero or it's going way north of 100,000. There's no in between. <laughs> OK, and I think the powers that ought not be have manipulated these markets. They've caused this uh, winter in crypto over the past mm-hmm. year so sure. that they can all get in on the cheap. This is a rinse and repeat strategy Wall Street has long implemented. That's my yep. thesis. Now, it's part, of, I, I, it's part of my thesis as well. I think I'll take it one step further. And by the way, crypto can be used to mop up all of that liquidity you're talking about. Mm-hmm. They could mm-hmm. send this thing into the biggest bubble anybody's ever seen. Absolutely, they can. Right. And so you're, you're not wrong. I, I also think that FTX was built as a nascent new euro dollar market. When Powell came out last year and when Powell came out and made it abundantly clear that he was going to, you know, look, look when Powell was appointed the Fed chairman, right? And John Williams was made a, a, a head of the Atlanta, uh, not Atlanta, but the New York Fed. And they began the process of implementing SOFR. I got news for you. That was the beginning of the fight between Wall Street and the rest of the world. Hmm. Okay. Because SOFR, because LIBOR is the mechanism by which the euro dollar markets have always had control over monetary policy. I've made this point many, many times. It, and for those of you who I, I may have never seen me talk about this before, it would take me another half an hour to explain that. But I've done yeoman's work and podcasts on, and, and hundreds of podcasts are now practically on this subject. So um, to fill in the details, um, LIBOR has always been the thing that has allowed City of London and the Rothschilds and the European banks to control U.S. monetary policy through the euro dollar offshore euro dollar markets. That link is is breaking. It's, it's almost gone. So I think this fight started then. I think when Diamond and J.P. Morgan were the first uh, American bank to refuse um, eurozone debt as repo collateral back in 2019, which is what caused the, the SOFR blowout in the repo crisis of 2019. I think that also brought forward COVID, which wasn't supposed to come come out for another couple of years, but it forced it forced somebody, it forced them into a situation where they had to force the Fed to monetize trillions of dollars worth of debt. Because the Fed was going was actively going about to drain all the markets in early 2020. Okay. So I look at it that. I, this is the way I've been seeing the last couple of years. This is all for me. I didn't see this at the time. I'm not like, it's not like I'm some godlike, you know, being that I saw this happening. I only saw this in hindsight and uh, starting around 2021. And I started to like put some, I started to put everything together. And then over the last 18 months, I've just kind of been error checking this to say, okay, I think I'm right about this. Now, um, the, the situation going forward now is that with SOFR, the United States can completely decouple. And so now there's a big now there's a big fight going now there's a potentially big fight going forward between all these people and the Fed has the opportunity now to to truly drain the offshore dollar markets, which is the source of all of this old colonial European colonial money and right. their power, where it comes from. Without it, they don't have anything because they remember and we're at the at the end of World War II. They all took all their money, put it into the United States to build the war effort here, to go then build the armies, to fund the Nazi Germany, to go throw with the Russians. That's what they did. That's, that's, that's a version of World War II that exists. Right? That's what they're trying to do now with all the money for Ukraine. Yes, it is. Now, FTX and crypto, now bringing this back to crypto, I look at FTX because I, I, I kind of got lost for a minute. I went, oh, yes, we're talking about crypto. Now, FTX, if you think about it, what were they trying to build with FTX and all of these, and all of these stable coins? And remember one thing. Jerome Powell has always said, I have no problem with Bitcoin, but I do have a problem with stable coins. Why? Because stable coins are dollars. Actually, stable coins are euro dollars. 
when you when you really stop to think about it, it's all they are. They're dollar proxies. That's all your dollar really is. It's a proxy for a dollar that's not sitting in a U.S. bank account, or as a bill that's in, sitting in your you know in your wallet. Right? That's what it is. FTX could have easily gotten escape velocity and started to build an entirely new financial system for Davos to launder money through, and again take power away from the Federal Reserve as it was trying to claim that power back of having control over the cost of dollars, which is what the Fed has been doing since it started raising interest rates. Friends, just a real quick break and a word about our sponsor. Noble Gold Investments wants to let you know that gold was the best investment class for 2022. Now, of course, past performance is no guarantee of future results, so do your own due diligence. According to longtermtrends.net, Gold actually outperformed the S&P, the Dow, and Bitcoin in 2022. So what are you waiting for? Open a gold IRA or silver IRA with Noble Gold Investments this month and receive a free one-quarter ounce American Gold Eagle coin with every qualified IRA of $50,000 or more. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold Investments and their thousands of five-star reviews. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey, can you remind me, what is SOFR? What's the acronym stand for, SOFR? The Secured Overnight Financing Rate. It is our new LIBOR. Okay. That's what, but it's a secured rate based on transactions and repo transactions within the, mar- within the U.S. banking and money markets. So it's, a very, it's very different than LIBOR. LIBOR is just uh, an agreed-upon rate by 18 City of London banks who say, yeah, I've been trading dollars for about this. This, been, this is what the, the price for overnight money has been or one-month money has been all day. Okay. You know, well, but SOFR is a market driven rate and it's one that every day the volume of SOFR transactions that go across the desk are increasing dramatically as it as it now forms the backbone of the US financial system. Well, that's super interesting, uh, mostly because of the incredible manipulation of LIBOR rates and the, you know, it contributed to the entire phony market under which we now suffer. So that really brings me back to Bitcoin. And, you know, my thesis has been that this was not the last cycle for Bitcoin. I didn't know if it would go below 16,000. Look, I didn't sell the top and I feel stupid about it, but I bought the heck out of the bottom and I was buying Solana at nine and 10. It's now Mm -hmm. sitting at 24. And, you know, and the timing was beautiful because I think you'll recall Jim Cramer back in Mm -hmm. 08 screaming at a caller, somebody who called in and said, I've got Bear Stearns. Should I sell? He said, don't sell. You don't sell your bear. I think that was on a Thursday and on Monday yeah, it, went, on you know, Friday, it was at 50 on a Thursday and it went, on Monday it was two bucks. This guy's Jim the Kramer ultimate. Knew. He's a piece of work. Listen oh, to he, this no, scumbag. This is how I knew I should buy more Solana and more Bitcoin. Listen to this. Mm-hmm. Be Bitcoin, whether it be Ethereum, whether it be Solana, anything crypto, I think. Sell, 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 sell. Sell me I think the. All right. Now, Bitcoin since then is up about 40%. This is actually a better meme. I don't know why my audio is so low today. Everything's playing really quietly, but uh, let me play this. This is an interspliced clip from uh, the Wolf of Wall Street and Kramer. Guess what? When Kramer says sell, that's when you should be buying. I think that crypto, I mean, I sold my crypto. I announced everything on TV, what I did with crypto, but I would not touch crypto in a million years. Isn't that great? They know the bottom's in. Look, I just really feel strongly about this. People can say what they want about cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, but if your goal is to protect your family in the future, I have long said physical silver, physical gold, tangibles, obviously food supplies, real estate, and a little bit of Bitcoin to hedge your bet. I, I'm going to stand firm there because I don't think Bitcoin's going going to zero, and I think they're probably going to let it go 100, 200,000. So, do you think it's up 40 percent since uh, Kramer said sell because the entire space is front running? What could happen with the Fed? Uh, really pricing in the fact that at some point in the near future they're going to start to loosen, and at that point, nah, no, Fed's not going to lose. Why is Bitcoin up 40 percent since Kramer said sell? There's any any number of reasons. One. There was, did you see the historic lack of volatility in Bitcoin for eight weeks before it broke out? Yeah. Okay. When markets hit zero volatility, that means there's no sellers left. Hmm. So all it takes at that point is 
a couple of guys coming in and buying. That's one. Two, they keep tightening the they keep tightening the ability of anybody to get into Bitcoin. I would actually believe that the front running was of them of people front running the knowledge that um, the EU was going to demand that SWIFT turn off access to all crypto. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. So, yes, this is very important. I thought that would be a sell event. I thought there'd be a cascade event in crypto because of that announcement. SWIFT was going to cut off Binance. No more SWIFT transactions on Binance for anything under $100,000. That is nuts. What was that all about? That's a that's that's this is nothing. This is nothing new. Remember, Powell is not against Bitcoin. It's a bearer asset. Wall Street wants in on it. They're all invested in Bitcoin miners and co-location and all of this, the mining co-location and all the rest of it. The European Union, on the other hand, the ECB, they're the only ones ever talking talking smack about Bitcoin. Hmm. Christine Lagarde never has a kind word to say about Bitcoin. Why? Because it's the because Bitcoin is the one thing that is again like everything else. She's she's described it as a an escape hatch away from. European Central Bank policy. So if there is an escape hatch, people will use it. So we need to cut off all the escape hatches. And she keeps acting as if everybody's going to go along with her like she's the central banker of the world. And guess what? She's not. So they keep acting unilaterally in Europe and no one else goes along with them. Yeah, I love it. That is so important. And that's, again, because... and you're not seeing the Fed go along with them. You see the Treasury Department talk about this stuff this way. You see the SEC under Gary Gensler talk about this. But again, Gensler, Yellen, those are Davos trolls. Yeah. They're not, they don't work with the Federal Reserve. There's a, there's a fundamental fight going on between Yellen and Powell. They do not like each other. They are not they are not in sync policy wise at all. Hmm. You should you should cherish this. You should cheer it on. I keep I'm gonna like I'm gonna put up my you know my my Powell is a baller meme. Like I, I can't I'm dead serious when I say this. I'm not again at the end of the day, one day I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna have to get, you know, I'm gonna have to hate the Fed again. But for right now, I don't hate the Fed. Now, you make a really good point, because if the Fed had come out, if Powell had come out and said the same thing, you know, like Swift and said no more Fed wire transfers for anything under 100,000 in crypto, that would have been a doomsday, probably. Right. And then I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be sitting here that. like I wouldn't be sitting here talking about how the how the Fed is, you know, at odds with Davos. I'd be like, no, no, we're we're, we're screwed. Yeah. Oh, like that's old. so interesting. Well, you know, I think Gary Gensler is such an evil uh, character in my view, because I he followed is. him closely when he's the head of the CFTC and he did nothing mm -hmm. to rein in the manipulation of mm -hmm. silver and gold via the paper markets. Now he's the head of the SEC and yeah. he was in tight with FTX. He went very soft on FTX. I'd love yes. to really know the books and the story there. He was supportive of FTX. He rolled out the red carpet for FTX. Mm. You know, people got fleeced. Meanwhile, he's very, very hard on grayscale. And their yes. desire to have an ETF, a Bitcoin mm -hmm. spot ETF that settles an actual Bitcoin. Right. So what's that all about? It, it, it's very sad. It's exactly what I just said. It is. He works for said. the people who are uh, against Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not going to get a physically settled on-chain ETF until, and of, of all the ETFs that anybody could ever, ever, I mean, issue, it's one, Bitcoin would be a natural for an on-chain settled at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, Bitcoin ETF. That's Easiest a no-brainer. in the world. Send a, send a net transaction to the blockchain. It settles in 10 minutes. We're good to go, right? That's I mean, it's really simple, you know what right? they they don't they oh geez they get me started here because of course he was eager, eager to approve an ETF for Bitcoin that settles only in futures. So yeah, futures, futures ETF product they can manipulate the hell out of that, right? Of course. And what's so funny about this guy is he says he won't he won't approve a spot ETF for Bitcoin, meaning a vehicle that trades in actual Bitcoin and settles in actual Bitcoin because he's trying to protect the consumer, the little guy. Give me a so break. It's, what a it's, joke. It's all, it's Standard Goldman Sachs. Clearly, line. clearly Gensler works for Davos. Clearly he, he's in cahoots with the, with, 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 with Lagarde and the ECB. And clearly the Powell and company don't care about any of this. Yeah. Like Jamie Dimon hates Bitcoin, thinks it's a pet rock. I got news for you. He still sells Bitcoin to his clients. Well, by the way, about a year and a half ago when he said he would fire anybody that worked for him that was dealing in buying Bitcoin, that weekend, it was JP Morgan that was buying the most Bitcoin. So they talk like, two sides out of their mouths. Like, that's like why I don't think else. like I don't I don't listen to what they say. But that's why I don't think Bitcoin's going to zero. These guys are all getting into going to Bitcoin. Zero. Where's it's it going? Go I know. It's I mean, not going it literally could go to a million per coin because it's going to suck up all this liquidity. Well, I think that's and that is and that is that that is 
if if they don't shut off all, why do you think they're trying to shut off the on ramps to Swift? And why do you think this is all these things that that are anti Bitcoin like this happen on Obama's watch, mm-hmm. but not on Trump's watch? Yeah. Okay, so none of this is going to change. If you want the best call about Bitcoin, here here it is. Just wait until Biden's no longer in office. And we see what happens when we have a new administration, if we're allowed to have a U.S.-centric administration. And again, we're going to find out if I'm right about a lot of these things. If I'm right, then the New York boys are rolling everybody up on Capitol Hill, (coughs) passing out the manila envelopes, getting everything set for 2024. And then there's going to be, again, there's going to be epic cheating. Yes, there's going to be all this stuff that's going to happen. Because look, these people are not going to go gently into that good night. Why do you think they want us involved in a world war with with the Russians over Ukraine? It is, again, because war will require a ton of spending, which the Fed will be forced to go back to the zero bound and monetize. No different than the Build Back Better bill. No different than the CARES Act. This is what they do. Okay, It's the same thing over and over again, because they have to keep trying to force the Fed into a zero bound, zero cost money environment where the euro dollars flow for credit dollars around the world flow freely for them to lever up and enslave us with. And what you want to do is you want to watch the Fed continue to raise. You should be everybody who listens to my voice should be cheering Fed Powell to go to 50 basis points on Wednesday, because that would be the most epic fuck you, pardon my French, to all of these people that you could ever ask for at this moment in time. Because at that moment in time, a whole lot of people who are currently going are in denial that the Fed is trying to get rid of the put or is the or, you know, they're going to move from the five stages of grief. They're going to move from anger to denial to depression to, to bargaining to depression to acceptance. Well, we got way too many people in bargaining right now. They're buying U.S. 10 years at three and a half percent, blah, 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 blah. We got to get them down into depression which means they sell all of their U.S. 10 years to three and a half and allow the 10 year to go back to five and start an upwardly sloping yield curve again and deal with the fallout of it. And then we can get on to acceptance. Oh, this is the new world. The new world is not the world that Bernanke and Yellen created for us. The new world is actually going back to the old world where it looks something like what it looks like, something like the world post Paul Volcker. Mm-hmm. That can't do what Volcker did. Okay, but they don't have to. I've been saying from the beginning of this that all the Fed has to do is really get they got to get close to where the Bank of Russia is right now, around 7 percent. Okay, like, you know, at that point, the Fed's like you can get 7 percent on two year money. Yeah. See, now that's the yeah, you're right. That's the important thing uh, that people who actually want to save can get some interest, some return on their money. That went away for a very long time and it devastated people. It re- yeah, it devastated retirees. It devastated everybody. The only people that were making money were the banks because they were getting the money at 0% and then loaning out, loaning it out at 3%. And it was also crushing the pension funds who had defined benefits paying out 8% right. a year. Right. So like, right. we've got to get back them to, to take more risk. Pay. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is, Sean, is this. Everybody is like literally screaming in this this histrionic crap about, well, the Fed can't raise interest rates, the short-term interest rates above the inflation rate. I'm like, well, why the hell not? I mean, we're not allowed to have a positive 1% yield spread over the CPI for our one-year savings. Like, why are we not allowed to have that? Why is it the minute the Fed gets somewhere close to normality for a quarter, We immediately have to like reverse case and go back to the bottom. Like the only people who are arguing this are the people who make money at, at, who make money at under those circumstances. And those are the people who are mostly on bubble vision at this point. Those are the people who are speaking at the World Economic Forum. Those are the people who are screaming. And I hate to say it, there are too many people within our segment of the financial world who, because they're Austro-Libertarians and they want to see a free gold and silver market, they want to see, they, they understand fundamentally that the Fed and central banking is a fundamentally evil institution that they want to see that fail. But I, what I, I'm, I'm urging everybody to understand this, that there's an order of operations and everything in due time. We live in a world of maximum corruption and maximum, um, uh, and a, and a, a maximum maxima of fake valuation. 
We're not going to go all of a sudden back to real valuations in 18 months. That's the re- that's a recipe for the end of the freaking world. That's a recipe for Mad Max. That's a recipe for supply chains broken in such a way that none of us are, 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 are ready for. But there is a path from that to something close to what we all think we want or, we, or we're arguing that we, we want. And I'm part of that crowd that's arguing for that, that we can get there, but it's going to take it's going to take. 10 or 15 or 20 years to get there. And why should we do that all at once? Because, you know, in a certain level, I, you know, I remember, you know, in the libertarian community, always talking about taking the kind of the libertarian Hippocratic oath, like you do as little harm as possible and you advocate for the right thing. So we can advocate for the end of central banking, but we're going to do it in the pro in the right order of operations. So if we can, as market, as market participants, force the fed to then go back to a rational banking model, you know, based on community banking, net interest margin, you know, all of that and no casino playing around and no casino stuff going on, on, you know, with levered loans and CLOs and all this other rotten nonsense. If we can get back to that world. We'll build a much more sustainable future and then we can just, you know, sunset all of this rotten nonsense. And that's my position. And I'm not going to change that position, even if the Fed only goes 25 basis points on on Wednesday. What we'll find is by the March meeting, they're going to have to go back to 50 because inflation will start roaring right back because oil will be over $100 a barrel. Copper will be over $5 a pound. Silver will be at $30 an ounce. And gold will be at $2,000, $2,100. The Fed's going to have to raise by 50 basis points. And China's going to open up and China's going to start buying, you know, it's already sort of buying oil like you wouldn't believe. And, uh, you know, and Congress is going to think that they can they can mitigate some of their borrowing costs. And, uh you know, send another fifty billion dollars worth of material to Ukraine to fight Russians. Like it's exactly. crazy, right? Well, so, let me show you something. I want to show you this. We're going to round out the conversation by talking about Bitcoin and mm-hmm. CBDCs. Now, I wrote here on January twenty fifth. When it begins to happen here, reject their CBDC and or universal basic income offers. Mm-hmm. Poverty beats the heck out of slavery. Because we stand a chance to rebuild out of poverty. I like the picture you just painted Mm -hmm. because, well, you know, Austrian economics versus Keynesian economics, which brings us back to Bitcoin. Michael Saylor says, Bitcoin is a bank in cyberspace run by incorruptible software offering a global, affordable, simple and secure savings account to billions of people that don't have the option or desire to run their own hedge fund. Now, where I've come full circle here as it pertains to Bitcoin, and early on, I was a critic. I could have been buying Bitcoin at 20, 30. I had guests on who were pro-Bitcoin. I was a silver and gold guy. Didn't understand it. What I do yep. understand about Bitcoin now is that unlike gold and silver, I can get on an airplane and go anywhere in the world I want and take my money with me. That's right. So yep. it's no, very, very I, I, you know, I, to I, freedom. I, I agree completely. And I think that there's room in everybody's portfolio for, for all of the above. Um, I... I you know, and, and, you know, and I, and I put, and when I talk about Bitcoin, by the way, I also talk about all proof of work style, Bitcoin like coins. So I talk about Monero and other, and others. Sure. I, when I mean, I use Bitcoin as that kind of metaphor. Crypto on the other hand is all this other crap that's out there, all the proof of stake stuff. And I've become a proof of work maxi when it comes to this stuff. I'm not sure that Bitcoin's the right solution. I don't really care if Bitcoin's the right solution for everybody's problems or not. Can I interject? Okay. Oh, you know, CBDCs aren't, and that's exactly what the World Economic Forum wants. Right. Those guys, and, those sycophants there, the sycophants and, there were like foaming at the mouth for, show me your passports, your uh, vaccine passports. They want everybody on Ethereum, a biomedical track and trace system. Uh, central bank digital currencies would be part of that. So of where do you, what's the future look like between, so we have Bitcoin on one hand, CBDCs, on the other hand, you see them. CBDCs are already, have already been tried in three or four different countries, and they've all and they've all failed. Been Even rejected. China, Good. China's central bank digital currency has has for the most part failed. Nigeria tried putting one in place. It, it this uptake rate was one point two percent. It's already not going to happen. People don't like being tracked and traced and everything else. They don't like it. Like it's so they're going to try and force this on us at a time of maximal vulnerability. This is what these psychopaths at you know like Klaus Schwab believe that they can do it's not going to work because there's still coins out there there's still plenty of junk silver there's still bills there's still all sorts of stuff we'd rather use all that stuff like i'm not worried i i I worry less now about central bank digital currencies at the retail level than i ever have in this entire process and i um, part of me almost feels like 
the goal now is to paint anything that looks like a central bank digital currency for the masses as part of the boogeyman. There is going to be wholesale central bank digital currencies, right? And I and I, and I make the, the distinction between wholesale and retail. Retail is what we're worried about. Wholesale is the replacement for SWIFT. The SWIFT system is going to get its, if, it, if they don't implement some kind of wholesale interbank central bank digital currency, right? Then they're going to get beaten by Bitcoin and Lightning Network because that's already been built. So that's the big one for them. So they're going to have to move to that. So don't get upset about things like Fed now and you know what the Russians and the Iranians are talking about. The Russians and the Iranians are talking about basically a central bank digital currency based you know based on tokenized gold as a payment layer for you know between their you know for their commodity sales international commodity sales everybody that's a big one that's like the that's a big issue and that's something else that powell and the fed have to deal with and like this is why i keep like i keep saying to people stop looking at just the domestic data here in the united states stop just looking at the cpi or the gdp or the pce deflator or any of the other all this crap housing starts and all of it the fed has a real problem which is that you know people are selling the Chinese are selling 30 to $50 billion worth of U.S. treasuries into the market every month, getting dollars and then buying assets with them, never to go back to dollars again, okay? And they're not the only ones doing it. The Fed has to deal with that liquidity. They have to figure out how to sop that stuff up. Loans are getting discharged that are, and they're never coming back. Less and less trade every day is going to be settled in U.S. dollars unless the Fed strikes back and makes the dollar you know, worth using, but as the, but the, um, this is started under the Trump administration, started really under Obama, but Trump turbocharged it by turning around and sanctioning anybody who, who dis- who looked at him sideways, which was stupid because it raised the cost of using dollars. The other people, by weaponizing the dollar, you give people a good incentive to stop using them. Mm-hmm. And that's the Achilles heel of the United States. All right. Well, I guess, let me do one last screen share here as we say our goodbyes. Mm. You know, the uh, Davos elite, the World Economic Forum, uh, Al Gore, angry Al Gore type people, they're all being exposed for the charlatans they are. And whereas mm. you and I could have these conversations a decade ago and we knew who these evil players were, now the world's kind of waking up. I mean, Klaus yeah. Schwab is a household name as an evil bad guy. I mean, it's really great. And what's trending on Twitter today as we're having this conversation, what a POS. Now, it's not just Shifty Shift, shown here, who's a piece of mm-hmm. shit. It's Zuckerberg. Yep. It's Sean Penn, the yep. sycophant, praising Zelensky at the Golden Globes. These people oh. are all so mentally ill. By the way, I think Sean Penn is literally CIA. I really believe he's on the page. Oh, I do. Because this guy keeps showing up every single time under every single rock. I, think he, I know he went to the Middle East at least a couple of times. He had a sit down with some really bad people. I mean, this guy's right. definitely CIA, but who else is a POS, AOC, and of course, this douchebag, Eric Swalwell. So it, it's all coming out. People are waking up, and I just love it. Oh, and last but not least, sleepy, bought and paid for Joe Biden. So the world's waking up. It's good news. It's man. a good thing. Yeah. It's a good I thing. I think you brought and, us some good you know, news. We, today. Like, and we, and, and you know, the, the, the key is to try and stay a little bit ahead of the headlines and see and, and see things but again it's about getting the right frame and being willing to constantly check your premises i mean this is a, just a basic ayn randian thing ayn rand thing check your premises they may be wrong you know i mean sometimes you see when you see discordant data you have to respect it and when i saw the fed raise the reverse repo rate five basis points above the fed funds rate and the euro collapse and 24 hours and Lagarde and two weeks after he made Christine Lagarde's, you know, neck scarf quiver and at a, at the, at a, at the, at a conference about central banking. And like, I'm like, there's something going on here that I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not, I, I haven't accounted for. And then I started to do the hard work and I, and I really do recommend to everybody, you know, Think about factions, think about incentives, think about whose ox is being gored by when you think about a policy, think about whose ox is being gored by it. Not just yours, but someone else, because that person may wind up being your temporary ally. 
And that's where I think we are with the guys on the New York boys on Wall Street and the Federal Reserve. That's what I, I think has happened. I tend to think that uh, I've come full circle here on this idea you first shared with me, which was Powell is not a bad guy. He's acting really on behalf of the U.S. dollar and America. He's aligned against the EU, the Davos elite, what they want. And so I thought that was interesting. And I've started to come to believe that the same thing is going on with Elon Musk. I mean, there are certain people with power that are acting in their best interests. And I hope I'm right about that. Look, I, yeah. I like to see our cup is half full. That's why I like to have you on. Well, that's, well, that's the thing. Like what, what, pro what profit is it to just constantly walk around and be blackpilled all day long? Yeah. That's, being blackpilled is easy, right? I mean, it's really the default position we should all have. They're lying to us all the time. They're just feathering their own nests. So I mean, that's, that's my, that's my basic heuristic, right? Like, you know, how, why are you right all the time, Tom? Because I think they're lying to me. And I'm usually right because they're usually lying. But what are they lying about and how are they lying? See, that's the big question on cer certain things. Like I could see the thing coming when Powell started to raise interest rates. And I started to say things like, look, Powell's not raising interest rates to tame inflation. He's got the it's the wrong tool to, to, um, uh, to fight this type of inflation. We got cost push inflation. We got commodity cost push inflation. You're not going to get. You're not going to you're not going to stifle demand for commodities with raising interest rates. That's not the way it works. That's a demand side tool, not a, not a supply side tool. So then, why is he doing it? Oh, it's the cover story for what he's really trying to do. Because what is he actually doing by doing this? Ah, he's cutting back on credit. He can't do anything about commodity prices. Commodity prices will tend to themselves. Okay, it's credit that he has the most control over. So now you start asking yourself, okay, well, and Whose ox gets gored by the by pulling back on credit? There aren't a whole lot of people. It's a very short list, <laughs> and maybe it's my maybe it's my bias because I just hate the European Union and you know they're a bunch of commies and all the rest of it. And maybe that's more maybe this is a confirmation bias on my part that maybe Powell's real task is something else, and this is just one of the other things that you know one of the happy accidents, right? Nothing's worse in the markets than getting the right answer for the wrong reasons right because if you get the right answer for the wrong reasons then you can't replicate your success right right so i'm hoping i'm right because if i'm right well then you know the next couple of years are going to be not fun but they'll at least make more sense and then once we know what the you know once we understand the shape of the land we can make rational decisions not based on fear because we understand what's happening. So it's right to be worried about being bailed in. I don't keep a whole lot of money in the bank. I haven't kept a whole lot of money in the bank since 2008. Okay. You know, I don't, um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, and if I do keep money in the bank, I try to keep it in, in accounts that shouldn't be bailed in because they're not part of the bank's reserves. Right. So, tend towards checking accounts rather than savings accounts since they're only since my credit union is still only paying me you know 0.15 on savings there's absolutely no incentive for me to leave my money in the savings account right so leave it in the checking account where it's on demand right or convert or convert it to physical silver Just or well i mean i have plenty of that i have plenty, plenty of physical gold and plenty of physical silver and i've been a buyer recently yeah. and um and i'll continue to buy more as you know as funds permit. I also had to have a roof put on my house. So that kind of put a damper on me buying a whole lot of gold and silver in the last couple of weeks. But you know, these are other things that need to be done. And so you decide what you're going to do with your money. I'm spending a lot of money. I'm going to spend a lot of money this year, shoring up, you know, getting work done around my house that needed to be done this year. That's, that's been neglected for the last three or four years. That's where I'm going to put the money. Yeah. And I'm gonna... I will shore up my local economy because it'll keep my handyman. Well, that's yeah, exactly you know, right. And his crew, you know, That's right. Uh, occupied. Right. So, Build a coalition okay. where you live of like-minded people so that if the shit hits the fan, you can survive. And uh, to that end, friends, I'm going to try to remember to leave a link to Coinbase below. I think if you use my link to sign up, I think I get 10 bucks in Bitcoin or something. And right. I think you get 10 bucks in Bitcoin. But the point is, I want to leave a link below to Coinbase because... You know, I first bought my first Ethereum. I went public about this at 19 bucks, my first mm -hmm. Bitcoin at 300 and uh, Litecoin at five. And I always said, just dip a foot in the pool. That was my thesis because I That's felt it. the market was going to go far, far higher. And I think uh, Tom and I agree that that might still be the case here. So do you I think Bitcoin will probably, I, mean, just... I think uh, so the last thing, Sean, I think Bitcoin at 23 grand is at a very interesting point right here. 
I don't know that it's going to hold 23 grand, but if it does hold 23 grand through one, the end of the month, and then through the end of Q1, I think the bear market is over. Whether yeah, the, the bull market has started again, that's a different story, but the bear market will be over and it'll be a nice time to accumulate passively probably for the rest of 2023. Let's, right. watch, the Q, let's watch the monthly close and then the Q1 close on Bitcoin and see how, and see how it works out. Yeah, okay? Fair enough. And by the way, I think six or seven major bottom indicators are in on Bitcoin. So look, I'm not mm -hmm. proselytizing here, guys. Always do your own due diligence. If you hate Bitcoin, sure. I get it. Then don't buy it. But my point is this. Bitcoin at 68,000 was very spendy. At 16,000 recently, that was quite a plummet, down somewhat, yep. 80%. Your risk to reward ratio is really high. Yeah, your risk to reward really ratio low. right now is far better than it was in November 2022 at the exactly. top. That's right. Exactly. And by the way, if uh, Kramer hates it, I say you might want to explore it. So Yeah, it, 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 Kramer has become the new Goldman Sachs. Yeah, I think that's who he represents. <laughs> Boy, I, th I thought I had something else profound to say about Bitcoin. I forget what it is. But uh, friends, if you're still with us, I really do appreciate you tuning in. If you guys want to get this kind of information, often, more often than this, you can listen to the podcast. This is Tom's podcast. What's uh, the name of it is Gold, Goats and Guns, right? And the Gold, Goats and Guns podcast. And uh, and I also put out my, my blogs on a particularly regular basis. And I also, for my patrons, I do, I do twice weekly private podcasts for my patrons on Wednesdays and Sundays where I go over... The mark I, I go over markets. I do a technical analysis of, of important markets as well as uh, you know some some general commentary for the day, uh, and that goes on and that goes on regularly. So I'm in constant contact with my patrons. I I, I communicate with them four times a week mm, with uh, either written or or audio slash video um, uh, content. So. That's great. All right. Well, be careful over there. I got kicked off of Patreon about uh, two weeks after I got kicked off. No, one week after I got kicked off of YouTube, both on the back of a Media Matters for America hit piece. You know, these, these are the same yep. people that uh, we really hate, aren't they? Yeah. Media, uh, David Brock, Media Matters, George Soros. Soros. They're evil people. For the most part, I, I have no complaints with Patreon. They treated me well. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything until we have a problem. Yeah. And I'll, I'll continue to use them until we stand up something else. Yeah, fair and enough. Well, I'm over on stand up something else and we'll move on. Yeah, I had to go to Subscribestar, which is mm -hmm. a uh, more equitable platform. And guys, if you want to support SGT Report, I'll try to remember to leave a link to uh, Subscribestar below. But really, I think the Coinbase thing and starting to dollar cost average into Bitcoin, it may pay off for you guys. I don't know. Ten years from now, five years from now, we may see a Bitcoin price that'll make your toes curl. I don't think it's going to zero. I'm going to stick with that thesis, Tom. Uh, I'm I'm sticking with the thesis that even if it doesn't go, even if it doesn't like really make a a, a big, it, I would like nothing more for than for Bitcoin to become a normal asset. Move ten to twenty percent a year. I'll be honest with you, but I think we're a long way away from those days. All right. But when that happens, then I know Bitcoin's a real asset. All right, guys. The website Gold Goats and Guns. That's TomLuongo.me. Tom, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, Sean. You have a good day now. You too. I appreciate you. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. As always, a special thanks to those of you already over on Subscribestar. And for real news every single day, check us out for free at sgtreport.com. That's the antidote to corporate propaganda. God bless, guys. Bye-bye. Young people weren't dying. They were more likely to get killed in a school bus accident. So why are we giving children these vaccines? That's what drives me nuts. It's it's the inability of people these days to critically think.